0: Well, good morning, and great to see everyone here and work their way around uh, those coming from uh, anywhere south of here, and North 51 closed on us today, so I know some of you got here a little later than anticipated, but uh, glad you made it, glad you made it. And those uh, online, again, as Jeff's already said, just so thankful that you are uh, kind of paying attention to what we're trying to do here. And and, uh, we miss you, again, as I say every week, but I mean it every week. And look forward to that day when we can all be together in heaven. No, I mean here, hopefully. In heaven too. In heaven too. So, to raise up influencers through spiritual transformation, to be salt and light where we're engaged and influential, to raise influencers through spiritual transformation, to be not to do, but to be salt and light where you're engaged and influential. Or we need to be engaged and influential. You know, sometimes that or, and I'll just say this real quick, sometimes that or it comes without us asking for it. It's forced on us. Anybody ever notice that? The or can be forced on us in some ways, and we have a choice when it is. When I say forced, it brings us to a point we have a choice in that moment to follow after God with all of our heart or resist him. Remind us of Matthew chapter 5 as we stated many weeks ago in our series now called Salt and Light. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again? It no longer it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I love this. I I wish I had a better voice. You are the light of the world. Reminds me, Josiah and him took our group, our ethos group, took them to a, a a cave. I won't even tell them where it is because someday we may take these other teens there. But but uh, took them to a cave, and we turned out all the lights in this massive cave, and uh, had a, had a, I think it was delirious that saying because you are the light of the world, talking about it. And in that, we turned out all the lights, and it was pitch black. And we hit that, you are the light of the world. And then one candle at a time, we just started lighting it. And that place just boom. But I digress. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, a bushel, some of you might know. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In other words, we've got to do something with it. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is not about you, it's about Him and about them. And you're the conduit, you are the light. Over the years, I have, uh, many of you know, I, I've, I've kind of got, I've tried to figure out ways, it's like Jeff is talking about, I think it's an awesome way this week even, to even ask people that you interact with it, or that you're comfortable enough with, I realize, not just some random person, but somebody you have a conversation with, to end it by asking, is there some way I could pray, is there something I could pray about? I just thought of multiple people I've interfaced with this week that I have enough relationship that if I'd have just took that moment and just asked at the end of our conversation, "Is there something I could pray about for you and your family?" You wonder what all doors get opened there, not counting what happens in the heavenlies that you don't know about. But one of the ways I try to do that is, as many of you know, over the years I. I was on a, on a road trip, Jan and I were not a road trip, but we were going to a conference called uh, uh, Shepherd of the Ozarks, a place up in, up in northern Arkansas. I don't know if it's even still, they're still doing the conference there, but this awesome place in the Ozarks of Arkansas, one of my favorite places in the world. You know, there's a new song out by, I think, Chris Stapleton I heard just two days ago. I'm not a country and western guy, I'm just not, because it's usually about leaving your wife, getting drunk. I mean, I, I realize... <laughs> You know, my wife ran off their best friend, and I'm my best friend, and I miss him kind of deal. What I love about country and western, though, is you can write it about just about anything. You know, like rolling up the water hose in the front yard. You could make a song out of that. I mean, it's just crazy how you can do that with country and western music. But that's just not necessarily my, my bent, but I, I, I do follow the Razorbacks, and on their, on their, on their uh, feed this week, there's a new song by Chris Stapleton, Stapleton called Arkansas. It's awesome because it's a southern rock feel, and you know me, that southern rock is my deal. Talking about the Ozarks. Jan and I are driving along, and the Lord, do you can say what you want to about it, but the Lord, I believe, put it in my mind and my heart. Somewhere or another, John Ten Ten came to my mind as I'm driving along, I think, Jan's asleep, and I'm driving along through those roads, and it just said, John ten ten. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, "I have come that you may have life, and have life to the full, abundantly." And this just struck me: living life to the max, living life to the max. And that became the theme of our youth ministry there in Texas, Canada. We carried it over when we got here over the years. My license plate. When I turned forty years old, Jan got me this license plate. Says the max. It's not me. I don't think I'm the max. Okay, so he is, he's kind of egotistical, and I may be, but that's, this is not because of this. But I carry this around. Just this week, a guy asked me, he said, what do you mean the max? What's that all about? I was able to share the gospel with him. That Jesus has come to me, have life. I live it abundantly, man. My voicemail. How many of you can quote my voicemail that have called me enough times over the years? I know Steve Frank, Colton could, I know could. And it is, hey, gang, it's Pastor Kurt. Please leave me a brief detailed message, and I'll get back with you as soon as I can. Jesus says in John 10, 10, that he has come, we may have life, and live it to the full, living life to the max. I hope you're living your life that way. God bless. Fifteen seconds of a little bit of Jesus. Why not? Why not? I've had it that way since 2003 or 2004. My ringtone is third day, Southern Rock, Christian Southern Rock. And their song, "Cry Out to Jesus." How many know that song? "Cry Out to Jesus." It's been my ringtone for since 2005, and people will say to me all the time, "Why don't you change that ringtone?" And I say, "When that when that ringtone becomes when that song becomes irrelevant, I will change it." But it's not irrelevant because crying out to Jesus is the key. And if somebody hears what's that song there, well, it's what I believe about life. Cry out to Jesus. The reason I say all of that—it's just a simple way of going about life, just trying to figure out ways to be salt and light in these little bitty, little bitty ways. But I appreciate you bringing that up, Jeff, this morning. But one of the things we've done here over the years at Renovation, and way before that, we we've started a training many years ago called Living Life to the Max. And then over time, it's evolved into Uncommon, the Uncommon Training. And in and any of you, want, there'll be a time where we'll talk more about that. But there's a specific part of that I want to talk about today, and it has to do with us being salt and light. And, and uncommon starts with the premise that we're all unique, but unfortunately, our life's journey has this tendency to push us, shove us, where we were born uncommon to become common to be like everybody else, just fit in, don't cause waves, don't don't take risks, just fit in. In Uncommon Training, what we do is, our hope is, is to challenge people to live into the person they always knew they were born to be. Somewhere in each one of us, I think we believe there was a story we all believe, I think, to some degree, if we sit down late at night, whether we're laying in bed or we're, or we're sitting out on a beautiful morning like this morning, somewhere along the way, I know the world has pushed you and shoved you, but somewhere along the way, you knew there was something unique about you, you knew there was something special about you, and I don't mean in an arrogant way, there was just something that God had put in you, and you didn't know how to explain it, and nobody to help you work your way through it. But because life has happened, it just pushed you into this box, and you don't know how to get out of the box. Anybody ever been there? But we ask the question in common are the highs and the lows, are all the experiences and circumstances, and all these unique wirings and personalities and gifts that have happened on my life journey? We ask the question. And really make a statement they weren't wasted I don't know what's happened to your life up to this point and as many of you've heard me say Maria Robinson's statement I can't go back and start a new beginning but I can start today and write a new ending today I can't go back and change some things but I can sure start doing it today Is all of that that's happened up to this point? It is as it make up somehow or another this uncommon, beautiful, uniquely, differently abled person that can contribute to make a difference in humankind. And I think the resounding answer is yes. If you're not dead, you're not done. starting today for some of you today and one of the teachings in part of that we call built to run it's the belief that we are designed for much more and challenges us to live into that but one of the things we do is that in that we believe we're helping people figure out that God has made you uniquely and but also He loves you he loves you the way you are but he loves you too much to leave you that way and so he's transforming you and instead of putting you in a box and go well, look at this little nice christian no you're beginning to live into what you were designed for in the first place uniquely and wonderfully made god knows our potential because he placed it there he knows your address He knows what's happened to you, or what you've done to yourself, either one. I believe this story, until you begin to follow Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're all in. I believe it's at that point God's spirit begins to empower us to pursue God-given dreams. That have been laying in wait. They've just been laying there. Somebody to plug it in. So you can have all those things. Have all those abilities. It's kind of like having a lawn mower. You don't put gas in. Or... Bought a new power washer the other day. Those are awesome. $100, Home Depot. But it's pretty worthless if I don't plug it in and hook it up to the water hose. Just laying in wait for empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And you'll begin, when you begin to walk this way, you'll begin to see Christ redeeming points in your life that you thought were horrible, and they may have been, but he's going to begin to redeem those. I don't know about you, I grew up in in the south, And every time you go to a place like Piggly Wiggly, that was our grocery store. How many of you ever been to a Piggly Wiggly in your life? It's awesome, Piggly Wigglies are, by the way. And that does explain why we're a little heavier in the South. Piggly Wiggly, it's not a good name for a store, I don't think, but this is beside the point. One of the things we did growing up was we had SNH green stamps. Anybody know what SNH green stamps are? Yes, sir. And you have this little coupon book, and you fill that coupon book up, and you get and you keep building these books up until you have enough books because you're going to go what do what with them? You're going to redeem them for something. How many of you ever been to Peter Piper? Spent thousands of dollars on those little tickets, <laughs> your parents' money, thousands of dollars seems like, and you go up to the counter and go. Yeah, I want that plastic little thing that I'll forget about before I get home. Anybody ever done that with your kids? But there's something about redemption, isn't there? There's something about redeeming. Something about that that excites us when we know there's something else to come. There's a larger plan. There's a divine drama, as Dallas Woodard says, playing out, and you have been presented with an invitation to play a vital part in it. But I love this statement. I don't know where I got it. You play your part, and you allow God to determine the influence and visibility of your light. Let me say it again. This is really important. Allow you, allow your surrender to it, and allow God to determine the visibility and light from it. I love what Seth Godin says. I am convinced there is a moral obligation to do something with your story. I believe if if you've got the platform and the ability to make a difference, then this goes beyond should you do it. It reaches the level of must do it. See, none of us live life in a vacuum. Your story may be personal as far as its uniqueness, and how you choose to live your life may be personal. But it is by no means private. How you live your life affects other people. It matters what you do with your story. See, wasting your story robs your ability to contribute, and just as bad, it takes something away from the rest of us. You owe it to your family. You owe it to your community. You owe it to people you've never met before. You owe it to know your story. You owe it to the world, because if not to, be, not to live this out, you are robbing. The thief only comes to do what? What? Steal, kill, and destroy. The whole thing about what the enemy, the devil, does is separation. Separation from relationships, separation from God, and separation from your purpose. That's his only job description. Sin's job is separation. Which is why you've got to fight against it. You've got to be aware of it. Because that is it. John eight twelve. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in in darkness, but will have the light of life. Zoe, let your light shine before men. But here's what I'm convinced of. God has crafted us in such a way because of his great love and his intentionality about your life that his desire no matter where you are on this journey is to step in and begin to live his purpose. And no doubt, there's this thing that comes screaming at us in the middle of all this—is this uncertainty? Are you sure about this? Okay, God. I think God said this. I think God brought this. I think I'm reading this into the. You know, I'm a little uncertain. I don't want to take any risks till I have all the answers. Anybody that way? They just want to have all the answers before they move. My life. I want my life organized and everything just in order. Because if I don't have that in order, I'm not sure I'm going to move on this. God. <laughs> That's an evil laugh. I realize. <laughs> We all prefer guaranteed success. If you're going to do an investment, wouldn't you prefer a guaranteed success? If you're going to marry somebody, how many got a guaranteed success on that one? You hope they continue to grow. You don't want to marry a 25 year old and they stay 25 year old in maturity the rest of the time. You hope they grow, right? How many were certain that you're going to be a great parent? How many of you are certain that your kids are going to follow after Jesus when they are born? If you just waited for certainty, I mean, there's some things you can be certain about, like raising your kids. What lifestyle are they going to choose? Which way are they going to go? Are they going to rebel against God? What I can determine is, is what kind of life I'm going to live out in front of them. See, I can be certain about that. We're talking a lot in the stuff about lead measures and lag measures. A lag measure is what happened at the end. What is that thing? What was my goal? What is that measurement? Lead measures are what can I do to influence the lag goal? One thing I know I can do as a parent as far as a lead measure is if I live my life, if Jane and I live our marriage, we live our parenting, we live our life in such a way that's consistent with what we believe God's teachings. not perfect, but consistent with what we believe. And we live a life of adventure. We live a life of risk-taking. We live that kind of life. If our kids ever walk away from Jesus, they will know they're walking away from the, the coolest, greatest adventure they could ever have in choosing a mundane, boring life. That... I can choose that I can be certain, and the problem with lead measures are they're in my control. And it puts a lot of pressure on me to do right things. If the pathway to the future was well lit, it would be crowded. Early on in my walk with Christ, my greatest challenge was is that God really had a purpose for me. Some of you are sitting here right now. My guess is that you're listening online here locally or around the country. You're still struggling no matter what the diagnosis is, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what, you're still struggling is does God have a purpose for me? What I want to say to you is, God always speaks with a purpose in mind. If he is speaking to your life, there is a purpose. But sometimes I have to quit trying to run from him speaking. As we've talked about with the ladder last week, God very well may be speaking you to move to that next rung on the ladder. And you're going, na, 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 na. What happens then is, as I told, that I do believe, you harden your heart. And when you begin to harden your heart over time, you become indifferent to God and His purposes. It's scary. You say, Well, I wish God would leave me alone. No, you don't. No, you don't. I wish God would quit speaking to me. No, you don't. No, you don't. I wish I wouldn't. No, you don't want Him to quit. Because he won't quit, but you can harden yourself where you're no longer here. And he may just quit. I don't know how all that works in the heavenlies, but I will tell you this, you don't want it. Man, I would have rather, like maybe, I would have rather stayed at Alliumax years ago, now alcohol. I would much have rather stayed there running a mill, working my way up, running that steel or aluminum mill, working my way through up to the company, retiring after 30 years. at uh, 55 years old and starting a second career. That's really what would have been more preferable for me. But somewhere along the way, God called me to preach and I would never preached a sermon before. I'd never given a real good speech before. I'd never even really given a speech especially a good one. But I knew he had called me and so did Jan. So I began to act on something I didn't see yet. Because I knew God had spoken and I couldn't deny it. I remember in 1990 when when my youth pastor friend came to me our, our youth pastor was a friend but he was youth pastor of the, of the church there at Texarkana and he came to me and said hey would you come back here and help corral these teens all I knew at that point and I was called to preach some but had only done it probably a half a dozen times started teaching a Sunday school class of college students didn't know what I was doing I just read what was in the book that they gave me those kind of things but he said hey will you come back here and help me corral these teens with you and Jan so we started doing that on Wednesday nights and before I knew it he said hey why don't you do a, 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 a youth retreat for us I said okay I, I okay it scared me to death I, I used to you. You know my story. I used to throw up before I preached. Consistently now, just I don't throw it up. In, I just open my mouth, and now it's all I do now. Just kind of nervous. No, it sounds gross. I'm sorry about that. But no, I don't even do that anymore. But the point is this: sometimes you have to volunteer, get a passion, do some research, then plan. How many of you want to do is plan first? You don't volunteer first. You don't look for a passion first. Sometimes you just got to show up and start volunteering. Who knows? Some of you may need to volunteer in the children's department, may need to volunteer for our ushers, you may need to volunteer for this band, but we do have requirements on that, just so you know. Anyway, just I won't throw Josiah under the bus. I love what Irving McManus says. If your church is full of members, you get an occasional missionary. If your church is full of missionaries, influencers, the rest is just about address or geography. People normally don't just suddenly get called to missions. It's people who are already on missions. Then God chooses a change of address. One thing I learned, it is not near as important what you want to do for God. It's what he wants to do where you are. What God decides to do is up to him. What is up to me is whether I will trust him with it. Quit waiting for the day when you'll finally have it all together. Because that day ain't coming. Quit waiting for a church that everybody's perfect. You ain't finding it. What I love about the fact that God uses imperfect people, uncommon, differently able people, is that you and I. That's what's awesome about that. In the series, The Greatest, that we taught on not too long ago this summer, to love the Lord our God with all of our strength means to take our, not just physical strength and might and ability, and a force to overcoming immediate Resistance, we got to have perseverance and grit, but it also means it extends to our ability and capability. I love the the definition the possession of the qualities required to do something or get something done. Whatever you've got in your hand, whether it's your finances, whether your talents, whether your treasures, whether it's your story, whether it's your whatever it is, if it's in your ability and capability, you are required to love the Lord your God with all of it. Your time, some of us need to look at our time. To love the Lord our God with all my time? I mean, everything that I do, I filter it through. Is this honoring to God, or is it just about me? Or my word, when I give somebody my word, is it really my word, or it just gets them off my back, pushes it, kicks the can down the road, or is it really my word The strength of a person is not simply he, who he or she is, but what he or she has at their disposal and what they do with it. We need to find out what's on God's heart and compare it to our abilities and capabilities and see how he wants to use us where he's working. Sometimes we don't have a choice. I love what Andy Stanley says about influencers, and it's obviously what we talk about a lot here. Andy Stanley says, leaders are influencers and instill courage in the hearts of those who will follow. This rarely happens through words alone. It generally requires action. As many of you know, we're doing a series of videos with, with, with this series of videos of Soft and Light. Some of you may know this is Down Syndrome Month. As I was doing research, I love this, and I've used it today more, and I love this statement of differently abled as opposed to other even diminishing terms because just about every one of us actually is differently abled in some way. According to the Centers for Disease Control, approximately 6,000 babies a year are born with Down syndrome. According to the most recent data, and this breaks my heart, and I understand everybody's got their story. I, like I said last week, I want to keep everything in context. If you're going to be a person of salt and light, you need to be a person of context also. So this is not here to do, cast any thought on anyone. But out of the percentage of babies who are aborted, once they're found, once the parents find out that the child is down is about 67%. But the Lord also uses circumstances and situations that come into people's lives, not by them getting in a line and say, I want in that line, and not without other visions and dreams for their life. God comes along in His wisdom and His grace allows us to follow after him in a unique way. I want to show you Jordan and Steffi Kirpen's video.
1: We met uh, kind of like through a mutual friend in high school. I was going to college with a buddy and uh, they shared the same birthday and we kind of knew each other just going to high school, it was a small high school and things just kind of clicked. I messaged her on Facebook at the time. And
2: We both went to GCU and then got married right after graduation and then moved to Cali.
1: Yeah, we're there for six years and then came back here, been living here since February. Now the rest is history. In
2: 2018, I got pregnant. We we got pregnant, but mostly me. At our 14 week appointment, we went in to get our test results for an NIPT test that we took, which is a non-invasive prenatal screening that they do just to test for chromosomal abnormalities and anything that they can really test for in utero. And our doctor told us that our son had a high chance of having down syndrome. We really didn't know anything about Down syndrome. I had worked in the field of autism for a really long time and could tell you anything about autism, but Down syndrome was not something that we were familiar with. And he immediately uh, told us to go to a geneticist and just get more info and kind of was pushing us to make a decision and talking about, you know, the abortion and just lots of scary things being put in our mind.
1: And it happened also fast, too, is basically like you got that test results and basically you like went like to the next hospital and doctor that day and they started talking about all that stuff and they're just throwing, throwing so many different things at you within just a few hours. And it was just all so, you know, overwhelming and obviously yeah. not knowing anything about it. You kind of just hear down syndrome and you're, you know, they're like, well, if you get the amnia, amnio, you can find out 99% if you're going to have. Down syndrome or not or it's basically like a 50-50 shot.
2: We went home and we both just cried and started looking things up on Google and all these just really scary things pop up from like health conditions to they're never going to be able to brush their teeth and just all these different things and so we were just heartbroken like we just felt really scared. I think it took a while for us to kind of cope with the idea that like, okay, he might have Down syndrome. And I remember going into my appointments and the doctor kept pushing, you know, you need to get amnio so you can find out for sure if he has Down syndrome, cause your date's coming up on when you can cap abortion. And I looked at him and I said, I am not getting an abortion. I'm not getting amnio done. Whatever happens, happens. And we're leaving it up to God. So we kind of just went the rest of the pregnancy, not knowing for sure what, what our future would hold, and I know yeah. we, we both had a little bit of anxiety going through it and waiting. I kind of felt like, too, my pregnancy got robbed, truly because of Satan, I think, just all the fear that he put in us, and I felt like I couldn't share it with people, like I had to like hide that I was pregnant and I didn't want to talk about it, and I didn't want to post pictures on social media, and like do a gen- we didn't even do a gender reveal. We just felt so defeated during the pregnancy. He was born on February 2nd, 2018, and he came right on his due date. And I think we both knew the second he was born that he had Down syndrome, we could tell. There's just some different soft markers, like the almond eyes and the little button nose. I remember looking at him and I just felt this overwhelming feeling of, I just want to make sure he feels loved and that he is wanted. At the time I had you know maybe like 400 followers on social media or Instagram or whatever and if you have social media you know half of those people are acquaintances they're not really friends they're like people that maybe you went to high school with or that you kind of know for us all of our really close friends knew Um, our situation, but I wanted to be able to post things on social media not feel like I had to hide him. I kind of was figuring out, you know, how do I share with these people that I don't know very well about Down syndrome and what it is and that my child has it. So I I posted a picture of him, I think at his two-month milestone, and just shared about what Down syndrome was and our Just kind of our story a little bit and our page just started growing like all of a sudden people just wanted to follow and like see joshua and see our family and what that looked like and it was really nothing significant to us we just were being us and our family i made a video where uh, it was like this trend that was going around and it would ask um it was kind of like playing a game where you'd like click yes or no on the video. And I did one where it was like, are you ready to have a child with Down syndrome? And I was just showing my emotions in the video of how terrified we truly were whenever we got that diagnosis and like um, crying in the video, but I put yes, um, that we were ready. And um, then the second one was, do you want to see a glimpse into your future? And I put yes. And then I showed all these shots of just Joshua, being who He is and His light. And it ended up getting over 16 million views, which was crazy. I woke up that next morning with just thousands of new followers and my DMs just filled with, you know, moms going through the same thing. And I just am like shocked sometimes at the random, I guess, opportunities and things that God puts in front of us that I never think would be something that would make a difference, and it does. It kind of just continued to grow and so I think that's really where our influence had come into play is really on social media and just being able to be a light for other families and just having lots of families reaching out to us who either had prenatal diagnoses and needed support and just glimpses of their future really to see Joshua.
1: Some of the messages like Steph said are you know I had a prenatal diagnosis with Down syndrome and you know I don't know if if i was going to keep the baby or get an abortion and seeing joshua and your family and you know it's like having that light in their life i had one mom
2: one time reach out to and she had been already following our page for a while before she even got it and she um messaged me and she was like i just got a prenatal diagnosis and i just want you to know that i've been following your family for like a year now and it just made me feel so much like calmer about the diagnosis and excited for my baby and i just want to say thank you for that and I just remember like sobbing reading that and like that's you know we didn't ask for people to start following us I, I didn't I don't think either of us would have ever imagined that that would be something that we share
1: yeah and if we were in that same like spot that we were in you know whatever 2017 kind of when we got that diagnosis um, of Down syndrome if we kind of went on to Instagram and you know found you know, us back then, or found another page that said, you know, this is what your life is going to look like. I think that whole process would have just been so much easier.
2: Not as scary not as Google. As for
1: sure, yeah, as Google. And, you know.
2: So just all these different things that, as time has gone, I feel like God's put things on my heart to want to share with other people, just from the inclusion to kindness to sharing facts about how many kids with Down syndrome are aborted. And for me too, I think I look at Joshua and I see this special light in him. Just his naiveness and his love and just how much he loves us unconditionally. He's just such a special person and I think I just want the world to be able to see him the way that we see him and the way that we love him and the way that God loves him. (laughs) I think being salt and light and being influential where you're placed is being that light wherever you're planted. And I think a lot of times wherever you get planted is not always where you would expect to be, but being able to just be fruitful there. What is it that I need to share? What, What is it, God, that you want me to be able to show others? We have these expectations for our life that we set for ourselves. And God says, no, I have a different plan for you. If you had asked Jorah and I you know, six years ago when we got married where we thought we would be, it would not be having a child with Down syndrome and advocating for him on social media or doing all these things. We've just been blessed by so many opportunities from meeting families to attending conferences and just this whole new world that we never even knew was out there. And I truly think it's more beautiful than we could have imagined.
0: You'll see close to perfect patience if you watch her every move. You can always run to daddy, you'll always be my baby. But look at her, baby girl, and you'll learn.
1: Yeah!